Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. Welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Now, now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, before before we begin, I'd like to always ask my gracious co-host this question. How you doing, man? Can't complain, man. Always glad to be here to talk some Miami Heat ball. Always glad. Yeah, I'm always glad to be here talking Heat ball as well. Anyway, let's get right down to business. The Miami Heat, unfortunately, lost to the Washington Wizards on the, this past Saturday. And yeah, it was a really entertaining game, but it was one of those games that was really frustrating at the end because some things that we have been kind of worried about throughout the season popped off again, mainly the half-court offense the, the half-court offense's inability to be efficient in clutch moments. And that was really apparent in this game. The Wizards just ripped off a massive run and the Heat couldn't respond aside from Jimmy Butler. And they ended up losing 103 to 100. Jimmy Butler again was, again, he was spectacular. Like he has been all season long. 29 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. Bam had a well, we could, I don't call it a quiet game. He had a eh game, but he was played by foul trouble. Again, some might say the refs, although the refs missed some calls, some might say that the refs were, their whistle was strange, to say the least, in this game. P.J. Tucker gave us 14 points. That was pretty good. And Tyler Hero, of course, continuing his magnificent campaign. However, the rest of the bench combined gave us eight points. So we got 28 bench points, but when you look at it, 20 of those came from one guy. Of course, we know that Tyler Hero will give you that effort every single night. I mean, we expect that at, the, at this point. However, the other guys, you know, you like to see Max Truce hit, hit at least, I don't know, eight points by himself. And Cody Martin, I don't expect much scoring from him. Dwayne Detman was particularly poor in this game. Just two points, and when he was out there, the, I don't know, he was... He didn't look as good as he usually did to start the season. What do you say, Kenneth? I said quite a ton there. Um, I mean, look, man, you said everything that needed to be said. I think you pretty much fully accomplished everything. P.J. Tucker showed up like he has been doing all season. Jimmy Butler continued to show up, almost had a third straight 30-point performance. Um, when you look at Bam Adebayo's numbers, yeah, he was in some foul trouble. But that fifth foul didn't come until a little later in the game as things started to get precocious anyway. Um, you need more from Bam Adebayo. As I've said, um, that 15 field goal attempts per game number is a number that I really, you know, want to see him maintain, hit, surpass, whatever. That's my threshold for him. And in this one, he only took 12 shots, finished with 15 points, six boards, and three assists. Now, the assist numbers haven't been there because Kyle Lowry is doing a lot of orchestrating, maintaining the pace, and making sure that everybody gets the ball in their spots. So those numbers haven't been extremely high this year. That doesn't bother you. What do you do look at, though, 
again, out of 15 points on the 12 shot attempts and the six rebounds. I mean, when you're thinking about Bam Adebayo this season, you're talking about a guy who has been hitting the boards like a madman. When you look at his rebounding numbers, um, the six rebounding, I, 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 I hate to say it like this, but it's almost embarrassing for a guy who's averaging 10.6 boards per game this season. You know what I mean? In a game of that magnitude, um, where you're against a team that is in all likelihood a top three team right now in the conference, um, a team that I don't believe will make a deep run because they, I just don't believe it um, based on what I've seen. And again, it's still early in the season, so things could change. But, but they, against st- team, they still need to show us more. Right. Against a team that is formidable like this Wizards team, you should be giving more. Because right now, even though I may have my feelings about them based on history and what I see them as a team, their record says that they're one of the best teams in the East. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something on Kyle Lowry, and I think it has been mentioned at Nauseam around the timeline and other podcasts. But we love the fact that he is driving the offense in the way that he is, say for the half-court execution and clutch moments, which has been pretty bad. But I think the whole team as a whole, the whole team has been bad in those moments. But I wouldn't really mind if the ball started started to fall more in the basket for him, don't you think, Kenneth? Because that would, could really help. Oh, no. I mean, his offense is absolutely key. And it's funny you say that because as as we all know, and as I mentioned, I'm actually also the site expert over at allyoucanheat.com. So for all your written and reading content, you can check us out there. Again, that's allyoucanheat.com. Um, I wrote there yesterday, and we're recording here um, on Monday, November the 22nd, the Monday prior to Thanksgiving. So that would be Sunday. Um, Cal Lurie's offense is needed, but it doesn't worry me yet. It doesn't worry me yet to the point where I'm like, oh, my God, if he doesn't hit his shot or start to hit his shot, you know, we might slip off the map. No, but am I ignorant and unaware to the fact that his offense will completely take us to a different level? No, I'm not unaware of that either. So I totally agree with you. And I think that's been something that we've talked about a couple of times here on the podcast. It's like, you know that he has so much more to offer. And you know the level that the Miami Heat could go to if he ever does decide to start hitting his shots. And I hate to use the word decide because it's not like he's not trying to make them or anything like that. But They're just not falling in. Right. What I'm saying is, more or less... You know, once he starts to do that, you're talking about a Miami Heat team that then has four guys that they can go to anytime and say, go get me a bucket. Um, and it's just a game of numbers. The more you have, the better. But let's look at his numbers. I mean, let's outside of the raw numbers, this is why it doesn't go to the point of complete worry yet. The man's shooting 30.9% from three and 40.8% from the field. So the 40.8%... Um, even though it doesn't get a whole lot much better than that um, for his career or whatever, that's still among the lowest, you know, field goal percentages he's ever shot. Like, that's right now it would be tied for a second lowest field goal percentage overall. And this, the, the one below that was a 40.1% complete season um, during the 2012-2013 season when he was with Toronto. Um, and he only averaged 11.6 points per game. He's continued to get better since then. Well, if you look at his three-point percentage, though, that's sitting at 30.9%. 
Um, to be frank, since he became a regular volume three-point shooter, I would say uh, 2010, 2011 with Houston, where he took over two three-point shots a game, which was his first year taking over two three-point shots a game, 4.6 in that year. Um, it's his worst shooting year since then. Again, 30.9%. If you look at that year when he first started to take over two point, over two three-point shots a game, he shot 37.6%, 37.4, 36.2, 38 even, 33.8, which isn't great, but isn't 30.9, 38.8, 41.2 in 2016, 17, 39.9 in 2017, 18, 34.7 in 18, 19, 35.2% in 19, 20, and last year he shot 39.6%. So when you're looking at a guy who has traditionally been a really good three-point shooter, dare you say even more than really good at times to be shooting 30.9% at this point, just isn't something that I can see him continuing to do. So to, to tie it all in a bow for this little bird, because I'm going a little long here, but it does bother me because we need it. And if we get it more sooner than later, then we can rise that much faster. But at the same time, it isn't completely worrisome yet. Looking at the number, veering off track here a little god damn i forgot how freaking good this guy was i mean he was named all nba that season but Bro, how freaking good he, he was in 2016 2017 i mean but but it's like <laughs> in terms of raw forget, numbers at least yeah, you forget about that you know what i mean because of last year you forget that shoot i'll even add in the previous year from 2015-16 to 2019-20 yeah, his numbers went down in the two seasons, 17 and 18. But you're talking about a guy who was pretty much, out, out, mm, you know what I mean? Let's say at minimal on average, about 36% on five attempts. You're talking about a guy who's also going to give you six or seven assists per game, five rebounds a game. I mean, you're talking about one of the most productive players in the league. And here's the thing. Kyle Lowry is a two-way guy. He's doing all of this while also being one of your better defenders. I mean, you, the man, he was one of the best point guards in the league. Let's not let's not shy away from that. Yeah, I mean, heck, I, once again, that in terms of raw numbers, like box score numbers, 2016, 2017, like I hadn't taken a look at that in a while. 22 points per game, 7 assists, 5 rebounds on 41%, 41% from deep. On almost eight attempts per game. On 15. almost eight attempts. That's dunking shit, JJ. That's dunking shit. Yeah, he was outstanding that season. But anyway, we're not looking to the past here. We're looking at the present. And we need Kyle Lowry. I think that's we important, like... though. I think that's oh, yeah. important. Because, because although, it, although there's we're a historical not he... precedent. Right. And we're not saying he can get back to that level of production. But what we're saying is the level of production that we're seeing now is nowhere near what he can be and even at this juncture in his career. Are we expecting 2016 Kyle Lowry? Hell no. He's 35 years old. I don't expect him to be that good. It's really hard to be that good, you know. But if he could get back to at least an average of his career, like go up a little in terms at least in percentage points of percentage shooting. We really appreciate it. But anyway, we, we veered off track there a little bit. So I mean I don't about. think I don't I don't think we veered off track too much because and I and I'll say this why, because that's why you brought Laurie in and I've noted this 
coming into this season, prior to this season, especially as we've led up, led up to this season. Um, what Lloyd was for us, and of course, Tyler Hill's development as to that. But what he was was another three-level score that when the game gets stagnant, to keep it from getting stagnant as he's done with his pace, or when you're in those moments where the Miami Heat are on the wrong side of a run, giving up a big lead, or just need somebody to steady the ship. Um, Kyle Lord was a guy that could do that for you. And as you mentioned, if he could just get back to his career averages, then that would be great, which is about 15 points per game, which is just over six assists, which is about four and a half rebounds per game. But most importantly, it's about 37% on just over five attempts from three. Those career numbers would, I mean, in, in, in all those small jumps in the raw figures, the efficiency there and the threat to the other team's defense, I mean, it would just take us to another level. And the higher he can go past that, the higher we can go as a team. So I do think it has an impact there because what we were missing in Washington the other night was another guy outside of Jimmy Butler that we can say, hey, stop the bleeding. And that's what Kyle Lowry is supposed to be for us. And that's what I think he will be as the season goes on. But as we've discussed ad nauseum and as we continue to see for this, you know, hopefully short period of time while he's continuing to figure things out. Because, I mean, we have to understand that it's only been about 15 games. This is his first 15 games playing with this team, playing with Jimmy Butler, playing this post system, playing for the Miami Heat, playing with the rest of the guys that he's playing with. So we still have to allow him a little bit more time to fully get adjusted. But... Um, he could be the difference in a game like that. And not saying that we maintain a 15-point lead, but hell, if he hits a big shot when they get it to five, does it ever get to a tie game anymore? You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, and I agree with you. So let's talk about another guy who has been, we thought was back, but then is back, kind of back to struggling. Although I don't, wouldn't really hold that much against him considering this game particularly he was facing the best three-point defense in the entire NBA by numbers. And that's, of course, Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson has been the topic of discussion amongst a lot of Heat fans online. And I can't say I blame them because the struggles, I think they reached the their worst point in that Clippers game. That was the time. But yeah, that Clippers game was a week or more than a week ago already. And then he had to... to he had back-to-back really good games and then now back-to-back poor games. However, as we have mentioned, his last two games have come against the top three-point defense in the NBA, so I don't hold much against him. However, he's got two solid, he's got two bunnies coming up, which are the Pistons and the Wolves, who we'll discuss later. So, Kenneth, what are you looking forward to in the, in the the for Duncan Robinson in this, these next two games? Um, I mean, we, we will be remiss if we didn't mention the knee situation. Um, I don't know if you have an update on that. Actually, as we speak, I'm going to go ahead and check that because I, I want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence there. Um, right now, and according to Ira, I think he's, he's, he he's went through a shoot around. He went through a shoot around, I think. Okay. So, okay. He should be, so he's listed yeah. as, yeah, he's listed as questionable for Tuesday, according to Ira Winneman of the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Um, he was able to return to practice, as you mentioned, but like I said, okay, it's not expected to be long-term. Just wanted to make sure we were doing our total due diligence because you said you were you know, pretty certain I wanted to be clear. So, and I think, if he does play, go ahead. I think you and I talked about this, you know, when, not in the pod, but, you know, just talking. Just random discussion, maybe, pre-show meetings. It, it would be good for him. I know where you're going. It would be. Maybe it would be good for him to, like, take a couple games off, get his head right. 
exactly. And not even just for the knee, but more of a mental clarity thing. Reset, bro. Yeah. I mean, because here's, he... th- here's the thing. We know he's a good shooter. So if you're out there screaming trade Duncan Robinson, then your opinion is invalidated anyway. I just want to be, you know, one of the many people that continues to say that. <laughs> yeah. Of, right now, yes, of course. Because we're 15 games in. And we're still in November. But yeah. And, the, and you got to remember why he got the $90 million in the first damn place. I mean, sure. With all the, the money he got in we're really glad for him of course i don't know the guy but hey you get that type of money you through hard work like he did got you t- you have my respect however all things aside i don't know i don't think he'll miss the game because he's not the type of guy that misses games he currently has the second longest streak in terms of games started i think and participated in heat history behind i want to i think it was was Glenn Rice? Was it? No, I, don't, I don't remember the the, who, the name. But well, yeah. my, my thing would be this, man, and I do agree with you. He's been sort of an Iron Man for us. But when you look at the Heat's history, when you look at the opponent, and when you look at Duncan's style, if there is just a bit of uncomfortability, I think you take that opportunity to sit him out. And I say that to say this. When we play Oklahoma City, I want to say, or was it the game where Cal was healthy, but he gave him rest? Was that Oklahoma City? That was the the Pelicans game. Okay, yes. I'm sorry. That was the Pelicans game. Um, is there any secret as to why he chose the Pelicans game? <laughs> well, I think if you if you really thought about it, you maybe could see it coming because he had only missed one game. Right, and he came back surprisingly quickly after that. He turned after his ankle, ankle pretty after the ankle pretty injury nasty. in the first game. Absolutely, he tucked that out. But then we chose an opponent, and, and I mean, all respect to the Pelicans because everybody's over there is professional, and everybody's over there, you know, still an elite player. They're just not a good team. So you chose the inferior opponent, the Pelicans, to get him some rest. Um, and again, the Pistons are coming on at this point, and Kay Cunningham is finally showing why he was the top pick that he was. But at the end of the day, I think they're still like something like four and twelve. You know what I mean? By the so, way, yeah. By the way, something on something on Kate Cunningham. I saw a lot of people dunking on him, but for the slow start. But I think he was injured, and he came off an injury and then started playing NBA games right away. So uh, absolutely, not the best way to get acclimated to NBA absolutely. NBA speed. So I mean, you have I, to give I, him I at least against him five real games before you started judging him. I mean, specifically, and as you mentioned, because he was coming off an injury, he had to first get readjusted to his body, nevertheless, fully getting adjusted to NBA speed, physicality, scheme, and everything else that comes with the game and different levels or whatever. So, no, I mean, you're, you're totally on, but that that's another one of those conversations where if you have somebody trying to poo-poo on the guy that was the top pick, five games in when he's been hurt for most of his, you know, rookie season thus far. So, you know, at this point, then that's another invalidated opinion situation. But you said, I mean, JJ. I, I wouldn't even go, I wouldn't even go as far as saying he, he could have an, an, a really bad rookie year and I wouldn't hold it against him because getting used to the NBA is really tough. And these are still teenagers, basically. The I NBA is, you- is tough. I'm, I'm not going to say really bad because you are who you are. Um, your game well, maybe is your when you're game the, when you're the topic, maybe when you're the topic, maybe not a really bad season, but right. you know, a 
average. Unproductive. I'll take, I'll take average to below average. Like you don't have, if you're average to below average, but you show me the reasons why you were the top pick, you're able to display that stuff on an NBA court against NBA talent with other NBA players around you being coached by NBA coaches in an NBA atmosphere. That's all I want to see because what we have to realize is oftentimes those top picks are going to terrible teams. Unless you're the Golden yeah. State Warriors where everybody's hurt and you fall into James Wiseman when you should have took LaMelo Ball, but that's neither here nor there. Um, unless you're <laughs> in that situation and everybody comes back, um, then there's a great chance that you're going to a terrible team. I like Kay Cunningham in Detroit. I like, you know, uh, Jalen Green in, uh, in Houston. You know what I mean? Man, the Rockets are, the Rockets are so bad. Right. Yeah, so, we're... you know, as long as you're able to and, – and when you look at Green, he's not having the – He's not taking the top off. I mean, he showed out in that game versus Kate Cunningham because it's Kate Cunningham, and he felt some type of way that that guy went ahead of him. But if you look at the season, since Kate Cunningham has came back, he's having a much better season than Green's having. Green has had more volume as far as games. But I'll say this. Green is showing, Art, Green is showing you those flashes of being an electric scorer on the offensive end that you want to see. No, he's not having a good season. His numbers are poor all around. Like, for him to be the superstar that you think he can be, he's going to have to show you a better all-around game and then a better ability to get his, you know, the rest of his team. He has to show you the ability to elevate a team to title-worthy contention, to ever validate the hype that's surrounding him. But is he showing you the flashes of the stuff that got the hype? Absolutely, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, okay, final point on the rookies. Hey, man, we're, we're, we're NBA renaissance, man. We do this. We know how to whip <laughs> right back out of heat and get right back to it. Shoot your takes, man. Let's get it. Final point on, on Jalen Green. You know, rookies get a lot of attention when they score a lot of points. That's how it goes. I mean, that's how that's how it's always been. Score a lot of points and you'll get attention. That That's what Brandon Jennings did. And, yeah, he did it. He turned out to be okay. And my thing about it is this. Yeah, scoring points is cool. But if we had to judge now, and I already know the answer, I'm just going to give you a chance to answer the question because it ties a bow around the conversation. You know, one of my favorite phrasings, tying a bow. Um, right now, though, and Jalen Green scores a lot of points and he does it explosively and he can dunk on guys and scream and all of that jazz. But at this very moment, whose game impacts winning more? Okay. Without a doubt, easily. I mean, levels above the other guy. You could take Cade right now and put him on a contender, and he would be a meaningful role player. I can't say the same about Green. Yeah. Okay, so enough about the rookies. Let's preview the week we, we, in which we face the top overall pick in last year's draft on Tuesday night. See, it's never fruitless, man. We always <laughs> going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I think people should know that by now. So, uh, the Pistons. What do you think about them? Hey, look, man, it's a pizza party get-right game in Little Caesars. You already know. Bring your friends, bring your parents, you know, bring your favorite drinks, bring your favorite desserts. We having a bring pizza some party crazy in bread. Little Caesars. Absolutely. Gotta have a crazy bread and the crazy sauce. But you know they charge you for the crazy sauce in some places. I usually some have my... they give you one, and some I places have my, they charge you. Well, down here, they charge us for the crazy sauce. But I usually right. have my, my crazy bread solo. Just... Really? You eat yeah. your crazy bread dry? What kind of diabolical, maniacal, madman, psychopath are you? I mean, it's all, it's got the garlic butter already and the Parmesan. Oh man, that shit tastes so good. Oh. 
look, we're getting the man hungry. Maybe we should go to the pizza party Tuesday because that's what I think is going to be, man. Um, especially after the way that we lost the Washington game. And I say we lost because we gave them that game. When you're up 16 points and when you're dominating the game late into the third period, there's absolutely no reason you should give that game up. And not to rehash that game, but doesn't that always happen to the Heat, whether it's across the whole game, whether you're looking at the real, you know, um, the random scrub Heat killer phenomena, or whether you're looking at a team setting a three-point record on us. Um, it just seems like at some point there's going to be a flurry of three-pointers to absolutely break our back, which is what happened in Washington between KCP and Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. Right. But after that game and after the way that happened, you have to imagine that the Miami Heat are going to come out and dispel this, again, to use a buzzword in the last couple of episodes, this inferior Detroit Pistons team with the quickness. Um, And like I said, when you're talking about a guy like Spo who likes to take those opportunities that he can, that he should be able to to get his guys some rest, it might not take that long. Now, I do believe this. I do believe Jimmy's going to come out and go for 40. And I said that. And you hinted on the point where you said they might not play that long. And I believe that, too. But I also believe Jimmy's capable of coming out and having a 20-point quarter, especially after the team lost that they lost in Washington. You know what? I think you might be right, but in the wrong game. Look who's com- who's coming up next. And you know he... Oh, I, I, can, I can smell that, too. I, I, I can... And I wouldn't tell you you're wrong because you make a good point. You know, with, with the way things ended over there. Stop I mean, looking for the words, JJ. He hates Minnesota. He hates Carl Anthony Towns. He hates anything that got wolves in the word. Yeah, there it is. So, but yeah, let's stick with the Pistons game. The bigger threat, offensive threat, leading scorer, Jeremy Grant, although Kate, Kate Cunningham should be a fun matchup between him and Kyle Lowry. And seeing a young Pistons team, Jeremy Grant aside, although Jeremy Grant ain't no old man, but you know, uh, also a Pistons team coming off a, a really weird. I was say we would with be, the we would be remiss if we didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> that was something. I was working, and then I came off. I got off work, and I saw the whole thing. And LeBron says it was accidental. Uh that's a lie. I don't know. And, what do you, you mean? Know, Look at the video, I, bro. No, um, no, no. That's what I'm going to say. I don't know if it was accidental. Yeah. Uh, it, if it was, I don't know, maybe. And that's not I, how they, I, and we're not here to determine that, determine right or wrong. We're just here to give a take. But go ahead. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, let's go ahead and give our take. Was it accidental or not? I am inclining, I am inclined to say no. Oh, hell no, accidental. it wasn't accidental. He... Here's the thing. He got to a oh, point. By the way, before I forget, did you see that Shams, the the Shams tweet that said, "Oh, uh, LeBron tried to apologize to Isaiah Stewart by, and he asked for his phone number." I know who told you that, Shams. That was Rich Paul who told you that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But here's the thing. At that point, when right before the elbow happened, you see LeBron almost charge it up, you know, and then you see the intentional swipe. And it's really, I think, the fist that gets him. But you see the swipe of the elbow, which lets you know that there's some intentional force put behind it. Um, I mean, he meant to do it. You know, do I think that he meant to do him, you know, Rocky style, (laughs) cut him open? I don't, I can't say that, but I'm sure he meant to let him fill him, yeah. Because even when you're boxing out, bro, you're coming from a – you're trying to get as low as you can so you can 
manipulate or have total control over the center of gravity in that situation because boxing out is pretty much out leveraging your other guy. Yeah. So in order to out leverage that guy, you, you tend to get lower. So why does your box out now occur at his face? Um, I mean, and, it just doesn't make sense. And ideally, Isaiah Stewart would, would have calmed down, although he did have LeBron face to face and then afterwards it was yeah, when all hell I mean, broke loose. That's another situation. And I don't want to be the guy that comments one way or another on that because then you have people coming out the woodwork saying the same thing about Jimmy when they don't know the totality of that story. Jimmy didn't know what happened until he saw the replay. And there's also pretty good reports that indicate that his reaction in that Nuggets game was to an assistant coach, a former player that he knows, and not Jokic. So what I said that to say was, yeah, uh, quote-unquote, the guy they called Beef Stew was in LeBron's face at that moment. But I could see – I'm not saying that it wasn't real. I'm not saying that it wasn't fake. What I'm saying is – I can see him being calm until he realized he's leaking like an old maybe, tire. Well, we're, all, we're, we're maybe we're talking out of our asses here, but maybe somebody said out something out of pocket in the in the Lakers huddle and perhaps perhaps that started it. Or perhaps he was fine again until he realized he was leaking like an old tire. And once he saw the blood, he saw red again. I mean, it, you know, it's a different show if you hit me and you get me good, that's one thing. But if you hit me and you draw blood, it's a different thing. I mean, it just is human nature. I, I, I mean, don't have know you ever been hit? Really it, have you ever been in the face before? That shit hurts like hell. I, yeah, I'm about to add, have I? Yes, for lack of better terms, I'm not going to incriminate myself, but yes. Yeah. So, uh, final thoughts on the Pistons game. I think we win. Comfortably. Oh, yeah. I think we win going away. I think we win by at least 15 points. And like I said, um, I think that, you know, it's a get-right game. It's a piece of party, man. I don't think that it's a close one. All right. So moving on to Wednesday, second night of a back-to-back. Man, a lot of back-to-backs. They really, really throw the gauntlet at the heat early in the season. Although, if and you check out... I agree, but if you could have a back-to-back, wouldn't you rather it be against the Pistons and the Wolves? Oh, yeah, of course. But then I was going to say, check out the second half of the schedule. A lot of home games there and that's the part that's the part of the schedule but you know it's still a couple months away now moving on to wednesday and as the president of the united states likes to call it minnesota the minnesota timberwolves are we're visiting them and they're still terrible you know tell me something that's surprising about that um Nothing surprising about that. They're a bad organization, in my opinion, and this isn't any disparaging remarks on him as a guy, as a person, whatever, whatever. But for my money, Carl Anthony Towns has never been a winning type player. He's always been a guy that'll come out and get you your numbers, but I've never looked at his game and said I could see a title contender being built around him. So I mean, that, that, that clip that came out, I think it was last week, Anthony Edwards was going up for a shot or he was – dribbling the basketball and the guy just went walking back on defense like the shot hadn't even been put up and he was already walking and he was he didn't even jog back okay he walked back on defense and sure those clips might be taken out of context or whatever but mm, i don't know it's definitely a horrible i mean definitely a horrible look man um here's the thing though minnesota they got some talent over there. When you look at Carly Towns, when you look at um, – name slips me. I don't know why. Former Lakers. Former Anthony Nets. Edwards. 
No, not, oh, not him. D'Angelo. Yeah, when you look at when you look at D'Lo, when you look at Anthony Edwards, they have some talent over there. They can put some points up if they're motivated. I've never been a, a big D'Lo guy. I'm I'm a big I'm uh, I like Anthony Edwards. Absolutely, but I mean, what you even if you haven't been a big D'Lo guy, you can't take him lightly because that's the night he come out and give you twenty ten and ten. Oh yeah, you know oh, what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, and oh. I still have nightmares about that Minnesota game last year, last Absolutely. season. Absolutely. All I'm saying, man, is you should beat this team too. You should beat this team going away too. But they can flat out score. They have some guys that can give you buckets. But Hopefully. here's the thing. They can't stop you though. So, I mean, you have to be able to get more stops than they can and keep them from exploding all over you, getting out to a big lead that you just can't overcome because that can happen with the talent they have. But the Miami Heat should beat them going away. Remember when the Wolves started off again? They had a nice couple of games to start the season. Had a really good defense, and then it's all gone to shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, it fell off the map. I mean, look, man, when, when when teams are getting started in the season, you have to give every team a couple of games to get their bands up on them. I, to be honest, the first five games of the season are still like preseason games to me. Because even in the preseason, yeah, they're the closest. The NBA preseason is the closest – scrimmage season like when you look at the mlb the nfl you know what i mean any other professional league whatever the nba preseason is the closest scrimmage season to the regular season but even that there's a certain level of schematics there's a certain level of coaching there's a certain level of intensity there's a certain level of playing time per player effectiveness whatever that isn't shown into the regular season and a lot of that comes with chemistry because you don't have the guys you're not running the same stuff you don't know what guys look in certain places um, so, I mean, the first five games of the regular season for me are still like preseason games. Um, I thought that, too, was like, you know, not that I thought that they could make a run or anything, but I was keeping my eye on the Timberwolves. Like, hmm, maybe they aren't terrible this year. But like you said, man, after the first five or six games of the season, they reverted back to being who they are. They are who we thought they were. Yeah. They're middle of the pack defensively right now. They're ranked 14th, 108. But I think, that's more, I, think, I think that's more of a skew to how well they were playing in the beginning of the season. You know what I mean? If you get what I'm saying, like if you start out high, you can be really, really poor and still land in the middle. I think by this time next month, they're in the 20s. Do you want to know which team leads the NBA in, def in defensive rating? Probably the Warriors. The Los Angeles Clippers. That makes sense because they're a really good defensive team. You got to yeah, think about it. They started out poor, but by the time we played them, by the time we played them a week or so ago, they had been a top three team in defensive efficiency for their previous six games. So they've been trending. But that goes back to the point I just made. They were taking the first five or six games to get their shit together. And then since that point, they've locked in and become the team that they wanted to be, you know? And, you know, weirdly enough, I forgot about Serge Ibaka. He has not played in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. A guy that wanted I, I'm, to go I'm, down to the D-League to get his feet wet again. You got to love that. I'm not, I'm not saying he's Serge Ibaka of the OKC Thunder. No, but he's still a mobile big that can block a shot if you need him to. He absolutely helps your team and your defense. And what you can't teach is experience, which is why UD is getting minutes. Also, you want to know something? The Heat have slipped a little after the hot start defensively. They're ninth in the NBA. Still good. But we, we want it to be better because we want this team is built to be the best defense in the NBA. Absolutely. Absolutely. But offense, offensively, they're doing well. They're second behind the Jazz. Which, again, I, if you had me 
guess at the beginning of this uh, before the season started if the Heat were going to rank higher offensively or defensively I would have leaned defensively but yeah the offense clutch issues aside the calorie effect man yeah and I'm going to tell funny, you something funny else how, funny how having a real point guard eases everything for everybody I, I, I hate that because I, I, I really I understand that and I agree but I hate when people categorize it like that because that almost means you're shitting on Goran Dragic. Goran just wasn't that type of guy. Um, so I, I get what you're saying, and I agree. But I hate when people frame it like that, man, because it almost sounds like you're shitting on Goran. By the oh, way, no. we, we love Goran. By the way, free, free, free my man Goran. Free my man Goran. Free Goran Dragic, man. What are y'all doing? What, what are you doing? Free Goran. You mean tell me Goran can't play 10 minutes a night? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I can't believe that. Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm well, sorry. I almost got it's upset. The, it's, it's the Raptors that are obsessed with six eight, six eight guys with yeah. long wingspans. If you're not six seven and then play power forward in high school, you can't play for the Raptors. Although I admire that team building I mean, model uh, because oh look, man, they're building a monster. They can never figure that thing out. They're going to be hell because you're not going to know who to key in on on the offense. And you're not going to be able to attack their defense because they won't have a weakness because everybody will be able to do everything and they'll all be able to do it at a high enough level where if you stop one day, they got four other guys who can do the exact same thing. So I get and, what they're going for. And it looks like they hit on Scotty Barnes. You know, they got criticized a bit for not taking Jalen Socks, but <laughs> Scotty well, Barnes, you know, he has cooled see, off a bit, but yeah, he... But see, that was what I was about to say. You know why they didn't take Suggs, and we didn't know that until we see what they have now. They didn't take him because they're going without a point guard. And that was something that a lot of people questioned. I know we're coming up on it. We're going to wrap up in a second here, a couple minutes here, guys. But when you look at them letting Kyle Lowry go and wanting to play Van Vliet there as the lone guard, you kind of looked at it was like Van Let's Let's be honest. Van Vliet is very capable of being your point guard. But in his purest form, he's a combo guard. He's a guy you want to get buckets. But that's because they're not playing with the pure point guard. It goes back to that position list. Everybody can do everything phenomenon I was just talking about. They're letting everybody orchestrate. So they didn't take subs because their philosophy doesn't involve a pure point guard or a main ball handler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, I find it funny that NBA.com has Gary Trent Jr. ahead of Bam Adebayo in Defensive Player of the Year rankings. That was just hilarious and disrespectful, frankly. Look, man, that's another one of those things where you have to take the eye test and the numbers and meet in the middle, right? Numbers without context are pointless. You want to see, you want to have, uh, you want to listen to some heat stats before we go? Sure. Well, do you know who the league leader in win shares is? Probably Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Do you know who the league leader in offensive win shares is? Um, Steph Curry or Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. You know who's second? I mean, that's why win shares don't really mean a lot to me. You know who's second on offensive win shares? Um, JaVale McGee. Montrez Harrell. Okay. Now, JaVale McGee isn't random. He was a he was a very thought out answer, and that makes sense why my friend was there. <laughs> no, seriously, if you win shares is one of those things where it tries to take account for your offensive and defensive and all around presence, and it also has an efficiency measure somewhere tucked deep inside that 
and not a pure efficiency measure as in he's shooting 60% from here, 50% from there, but it accounts for your production inside of in the given amount of time. And then also helps, the, also helps that Montrezl Harrell is leading the league in offensive rating. Although, you know what? I don't really like offensive rating for individual it's players. because a lot of numbers, bro. Like I said, numbers without context. You got to look at guys who do a lot in a certain amount of time, but then you're talking, let's use JaVale and Montrez. Most of their production comes from within 10 feet of the rim. So the difficulty level on that production or on achieving those numbers isn't as high as, say, a Jimmy Butler or a Steph Curry who has that's, to start 45 feet out. You know what I mean? That's why That's why that se- there was this weird season where I think it was Hassan White that was one of the leaders in PER, and everybody knew it was BS. There's no way Hassan White is one of the best players in the NBA. That's why these these numbers can kind of be kind of be flawed Absolutely. in some ways. Context, context is important. So yeah, that's why that's why when when I went to SBC, the Athletics Seth Partner, who's a analytics guru, he told us something. He said the numbers don't say, you say. The numbers are just there. You interpret them in however way you want them to. Absolutely. I mean, well, not, and, 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 and that is true, but here's the way it should go. You should be able to make an educated formulation or point based off what you see, and you should be able to say, this, this is this. And then you should be able to go to the numbers and say, this number, if you look at it this way, says this, backs this up, or allows you to project or predict this. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's why you say. Right, absolutely. So, I mean, just my question, man, to wrap it up. And again, we'll be back to you guys, even with the holiday. We'll be back to you guys Friday to talk about everything that's going to occur after this, including the Bulls matchup and the Heated Nuggets rematch. But um, Hmm. up until those matchups, man, how do you feel about Detroit and Minnesota? Give me a record in these two games. 2-0. Absolutely, I agree. But that... uh, that that Wolves game has trap potential. Absolutely. As I mentioned, they can score. So you can't, and, and if you look at this Washington game as any indication, you you know, you could find yourself in a situation where they're scoring and you're not. So you have to be focused, but I think we should easily be 2-0. And, and especially and I, because we gave up the Washington game this past Saturday like we did. For the next two weeks at least, they'll be uber focused. And I wouldn't be surprised if they set out Duncan for one of those. Too. No, I wouldn't be surprised either. And, and and to be frank with you, it would be Detroit because you need him against Minnesota, not because Minnesota's a threat, not because they're a good or great team, but because, again, they can score. So you might need a guy who can hit a shot for you. So I think if you're going to sit him, you sit him against a more inferior opponent, which would be Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, Detroit right now is flat out terrible. It's a pizza but... party, man, a pizza party. I don't think anybody expected much from the Pistons this season. So, yeah. Okay, let's wrap this up. Uh, 2-0? Yep, I agree. 2-0. Hey, so, I want to say this. I want to say this. After the uh, little scuffle, the kerfuffle yesterday, there's a notion out there that people want to get Isaiah Stewart to the Miami Heat. Hey, look, man, I understand you people are obsessed with Beef Stew for standing up to LeBron, but uh, give me Grant. Oh. <laughs> find, find me. Find, I mean... Y'all want be stew. Um, can somebody find a way to get me Jeremy Grant? 
I know it's just and, a pipe dream, man, and you can. But I'm just saying, though, you know, think about Jeremy Grant well, with this. There was one. there was a report that the Pistons, like they were, I think there was a trade package center around Jeremy Grant and a couple of young players, namely Shadik Bay, but the Pistons wouldn't part with Bay, I think. Oh no, Bay is a star too. I think it's too early to for, part with Bay for for Ben Simmons for Ben Simmons, I should say. Right, I know, but Bay timeline matches up with Kay Cunningham's, to be honest. Whereas Jeremy Grant, his timeline, he's about three years. I mean, you could stretch it, but he's about three years ahead of even stretching it. You know what I mean? By the time you're ready to win with Kay Cunningham, which is at at earliest season after for, next, that, that, I think that will be. Well, that's that why I said. Well, that's optimistic. why I said. I, that's why I said at the very earliest, at the very earliest, and as you just stated, optimistically speaking, it would be season after next. But typically, you're talking two or three seasons from now, and and you know you're 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 Jeremy Grant's gone at that point. You feel me? I wouldn't be surprised if by year five or four, it's when they actually start winning games with him as a as a cornerstone. So here's the thing, though, man. As we mentioned about him, and we're gonna go. He's a guy that's already showing you things to impact winning. Those type of guys, and and here's my thing. And, and when I when I say winning, I say like actual winning, like top right. four seed in the East or something. When you're talking about a guy like that, though, a guy that can not only go get you twenty, a guy that can not only you know hit the boards and give you whatever you need on a given night, but he's always going to make other people better. Not only does he increase a guy's production by minimally twenty five percent. But guys that are productive on their own want to play with him. So you're talking about a guy in Kay Cunningham who can accelerate that typical path more so than others. And Luka Doncic is sort of that way. I think Luka Doncic is just a pure scorer, though. Um, he's, and he was he, he was just rare. He understood NBA right. offense like well, so he plays the point. But I think Luka is a glorified too because he really wants to score. He can get guys involved, but he really wants to score. I think Kate Cunningham is really a guy that's a point guard, if that makes sense. Hmm. That's interesting. So I think that's a good way to wrap up this podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a short review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. And where can they follow you, JJ? Got a little ahead of myself. <laughs> they can follow me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJRIV as in Victor ERA NBA. And on Instagram, you can follow me at JRIVERA98. That's J A I R O R I V E R A S in 198. Oh man, my tongue twister there. And what can they call you, my friend? I was going to say, are you good? On Twitter, man, they can find me, of course, at K underscore say underscore K. That's K underscore. S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E. Again, K underscore said underscore K on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can find me at I-M-K-Service. That's I-A-M-K-C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, that's I-M-K-Service on Instagram. We appreciate you guys. We thank you for listening. Keep tuning in. Subscribe. Tell somebody. Follow us on all our socials. We appreciate you. We'll be back later this week, as we always try to do. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to this episode. See you later in the week. Bye-bye.